Abundance of love, abundance of grace, down to that cross, you took my place, oh God, you my ransom, my ransom, Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Have your Bible. I want you to turn to 2 Kings chapter 4. If you don't have your Bible, these verses will be on the screen. But I want to ask you to do what I typically ask you to do, and that is to let God speak to you. Have a belief system that God is real and that God can say something to you while you're here because my job is to let God use me to teach his word today your job is to listen past my peculiarities my accent my my oratory ability and hear what God has to say to you it would be awesome if you left here today knowing that God said something to you while you were in the Lord's church in second Kings chapter 4 verse 1 The Bible says, one day, the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, my husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you, Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil, she replied. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, What Do You Need From God and What Do You Already Have? Pray with me. God, thank you for meeting all our need. God, thank you for giving us everything we need for life and godliness. And I pray right now that you'd anoint me to say the things that would honor you. God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit says and teach us today by your spirit from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. What do you need from God? We've talked about this concept a lot and looked at different parts of the Bible. And we we remember where Jesus went up to some blind men and he said, what do you want me to do for you? Do you think he already knew? Of course he knew. He knows everything. God knows what we need from him, but he still tells us to let our requests be made known unto him. And we need to have a right and ready answer. If I started in the very front with Miss Irene and worked all the way to the back to Adrian, and I said, what is the one big thing you're asking God for right now? You should have something right on the tip of your tongue. You should know it without even having to think about it because everyone needs something from the Lord. The second question, it it takes a little bit longer of an answer. What do you all Ready have, but we saw in the two verses that I read there was this widow. In verse one, it says, One day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. That's the, the butter up. Say butter up. If your kids come to you and say, Mom, you're so pretty, I, I'll never be as good a cook as you. If, if, if your kids come to you and say, Dad, you're the smartest person in the world, that, that's the butter up. Uh, and, and that's how you should do people. You ought, you ought to soften your way in when you're about to ask. But I think about this verse often because we have a lot of people that don't know anyone at this church, don't know me, but don't hesitate to knock on the front door and ask the church to pay their rent, pay their light bill, to give them money for gas, groceries, f- medicine, um, medicine for their babies, their grandbabies. I mean, the stories are endless, and I often think of this passage, and I've, I've asked people before, do you go to church? Where do you go to church? Oh, no, I don't believe in church. This is a church. You believe in church enough to come ask, and I've asked several people that God allowed me to open up a conversation with, wouldn't it be easier if you had a home church? And a pastor that you knew, that knew you, that, um, that you had served in that church with together. See, she wasn't some stranger coming somewhere looking, looking to a stranger for a handout. Uh, she was a widow. Her husband was a prophet, 
and he served Elisha, and he feared the Lord. Now, one of the great things about being part of a church, especially a smaller church, is now a lot of people go to big churches to hide and not be seen, and they're glad nobody knows their name. But one of the things about our church is we're the right size to be a family church. There, there, is, there is just, it is not possible, even though she walked in late today and sat on the back row by herself, um, it, it's not possible for Jessica or her family to ever go hungry. Anybody want to take a quick guess why? Well, because she's a good cook, but that, no. Um, be, be, because I'm, as long as I'm alive, she's always going to have food to eat. And it's not even possible for me to, to, to go homeless because of many, many people that Jessica done took in, I, I can sleep on the floor somewhere. And, and some of y'all have it that if you don't have a relationship with the people you serve God with, one of two things is going on. Either you're not showing up enough or you're not serving God the right way. Because here's the reality. If you were to get on our praise and worship team, and we got people traveling out of town this week on our praise and worship team, they hang out together. They get to know each other. Food and clothing, same way. Man up wings, all these different places, we get to know each other, so when there is a need, uh, we, we can lean on each other. I love that song that says, lean on me when you're not strong, and I'll be your friend, I'll help you carry on, for it won't be long till I'm going to need somebody to lean on. Now, this woman knew she had capital built up in the group of prophets. She knew Elisha knew who she was. She had a legitimate need, and she didn't hesitate to go to him. I would be petrified to just go up to some total stranger preacher that I'd never seen before and put a bag on for some money, especially if my commentary was, I don't believe in churches. I just come and ask them for help when, when I'm down and out. She wasn't just some Johnny-come-lately that didn't know anybody. She was connected to the group of people that served the Lord, and she said, in the next sentence in verse 1, but now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. If you haven't heard any good news lately, maybe you're going through some tough times right now, let, let me just give you a little piece of information uh, that, that should encourage you. There is no debtor's prison in America. <laughs> Y'all haven't studied world history enough. The, throughout all ages, if you got in debt to people, they just took your kids, your family, or you and made you a slave until they felt like you had paid it off. And this is about to happen to this woman. Now, here, here's how bad a shape she's in. This is thousands of years ago. Women, women are fighting for equality in 2023. Whoo, do you know the women from, from this, this sister's time would have loved to have had it the way women have it now? It's not perfect now, but, man, they had no rights back then. They, they didn't work. They weren't allowed to eat in rooms with men. They, I mean, just it was, it was bad, and she was in a tough spot. Her husband, who was her protector provider, was dead. Her sons, who could step up and pitch in now that he's gone, are about to be taken as slaves because they've got a debt problem. Things are bad. Say bad. I don't know what you're going through, but I can tell you it is horrible to lose a spouse. I'm not telling you what I heard. I'm telling you what I've been through. It is horrible to, to lose people that are close. And we, we're dealing with lots of family grief right now at Abundant Life. We, we've got people who've lost people that they care about. And this woman has gone through this. She's a widow. Uh, her husband was faithful to the Lord. And now she is in a bad spot. And I want us to learn because the Bible says we have these stories for our what? Examples. We have these stories for our examples, the Bible says, so we can learn from them. Now, anybody that's been around for a while, anybody that's ever been in a management program or a self-development program can tell you the first step in solving a problem is what? Well, she did a really good job of identifying the problem. She did a really, she knew exactly what the problem was. Husband's dead. We're in debt. They're about to take my kids as slaves. But the second thing, once you identify the problem, you got to ask the right person for help. Now, I came in early this morning, and I went through Hardee's on Wilson before I got here, obviously, because uh, nobody makes a greasier biscuit than Hardee's. It is just the best thing going. 
you ever try to eat a Hardy's biscuit? The whole wrapper's wet. I'm like, bet. That's how I want it. I want my hands. I mean, it's crazy because flour, you, you, you get flour, which usually dries your hands out, but all that butter on it, too. And I'm just, so I'm eating my steak biscuit uh, this morning. But when I pulled up into the Hardee's, it was packed. And I don't know if anybody did it, but I doubt anybody did it. I don't think anybody, when, when a lady said, welcome to Hardee's, may I take your order? I don't think anybody said, let me get a Big, Na- a Big Mac, uh, uh, a 10-piece nugget meal, and a Whopper. Why, why wouldn't people go to Hardee's and ask for a Whopper? They don't have it. They don't have a Big Mac. They don't have a, a McDonald's chicken nuggets. Here's what you have to do. Second thing I want you to realize, you got to ask the right person for help if um you guys play basketball now if we were on the basketball court and the ball got lodged between the backboard and the rim and i either had to leave it up to you guys to get it down or y'all had to leave it up to me who's the better option to get it down yeah okay so you think you can get the ball down better than me I agree with you. I would be the craziest choice in the world to try to. Ju- I've got about a, a three quarter of an inch vertical. You want to see it? There it went. Did y'all catch that? Now, at just under 5'10, I'm not going to reach up and grab it like Yao Ming. I would have to be able to jump. I actually did a measurement one time because I used to play basketball, and I did a measurement. You have to get your hand at least four inches above the rim to, 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 get, a, to, to get, get a dunk. And for my hand to be four inches above the rim, at, as short as my arms are, I would have to have a 46-inch vertical leap. Nobody has a 46-inch vertical leap. Some people say they do, but 44 is usually 45 is where it tops out. Asking me, and, and I, 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 I had to think about it because I saw a video this week um, that had the cheerleader squad get it because it was like some elementary or middle school game. Uh, they got the ball lodged in there, and all these kids were trying to get up there. And young ballers, they know how it is. Back before you could jump up and grab the rim, you could jump up and grab the net. Then you climb up the net. So, um, they were trying to jump up and grab the net, and they were missing the net, and they were just small. And one finally grabbed the net and tried to work his way up. But he wasn't strong enough. He kept falling back down. So they finally had the cheerleaders build a pyramid, uh, and that didn't work because they couldn't get high enough. So they had the two big cheerleaders, just for a little uh, free information. They're called bass. Yeah, ain't we right? Uh, they had a couple of the bass sisters. Uh, grab the, the little small girl, they call her the flyer, and they threw this flyer at that rim, and she went way, went so high above it, she missed it the first time. But ultimately, she was able to get it, and here's what they did. They had to ask the right person for help, because they, if they had looked at me, and they'd been like, hey, Pastor Scott, uh, you, you're, you're the oldest man in the room. Can you come grab? No, I, I couldn't jump up there off a chair. What are we talking about? And you ain't, you ain't strong enough to pick up this 227 and throw me anywhere. So you got to ask the right person for help. If you have done enough of the hard work to figure out what your problem is, and let me just help you, you have one. I'll let yes substitute for amen. Not one person even grunted. Everybody has problems. Amen? You got to identify what it is, though. And then you got to ask the right person for help. And she did that. She knew what her problem was. She asked the right person for help. She goes to Elisha, and in verse 2, he says, What can I do to help you? Elisha asked. Now, what she should have done, because she started off good, but what she should have done is dove right in there and told him exactly what he asked. She didn't answer. So then he asked another question. Tell me what do you have in the house? Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil, she replied. Now, she didn't answer the first question out loud, but she might have gave him a look. I don't know, but I'm guessing she... 
if I came to you and I'm like, hey, the bill collector's coming, they're going to turn my lights off, they're going to turn my water off, they, they, they gonna, they, I mean, they're going to take my car, they're kicking us out, we ain't going to have nowhere to live, and you're sitting on a pile of money, and I'm looking at you and you're like, well, what do you want me to do for you? I, I might not you know, call you dumb, but I might give you a... What? I just told you, they're coming to, to take my kids into slavery. If they go slave for them, who's going to slave for me? I mean, not, not, I mean, y'all do know that's why parents have kids. Especially in the country. You find somebody from Mississippi. Anybody, anybody in here got family from Mississippi? Alabama? You find somebody from Mississippi, Alabama, they're one of nine, one of 13. You find somebody who came with one of 12. Uh, they, ha, how many you got, Joyce? It's nine of y'all from where? Mississippi. Mississippi. 43 letters, three syllables, Mississippi. <laughs> they didn't have nine kids because they like to change diapers. They had nine kids because there was a lot of work to do in Mississippi. And they had them. This woman wasn't trying to give up her help to the bill collector. And so he says, what can, what can I do? She doesn't answer out loud. He jumps right into the next question. What do you have in your house? What do you already have? Now, so here, here's the reality. We have this story for our example. Everybody in this room needs something, and everybody in this room has something. Here's the problem. Sometimes people aren't willing to admit what they need, and other times people want to downplay what they have because they're, you know, they're, they're on the hustle and they're trying to get more. But in verse 3, Elijah said, Borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Now, I'm not going to take time to teach through every phrase in every verse this morning, but as I read that, bar, I, it made me think about the people that I know. I thought, wow, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and your neighbors. Because I'm the pastor, I know a lot of people. If you stay in a church for a long period of time, and we, we started this church 22 years ago, uh, and you stay in a church for a long time, you get to know lots of people. But this verse assumes that you have friends and neighbors. Now, we live in a day and age now where people don't even know their neighbors. You can pretty much tell where people come from, though. If, if I ride through my neighborhood, um, I see people walking. I throw my hand up at them, and some of them just look, pull the kid closer, like, who's this stalker? Like, I'm from the country, people. We, we, knew, we knew our neighbors. We waved at people. We, 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 you know, carried guns, and nobody was scared. It was a di different place, different time. But you should have some friends. Say friends. The Bible says if you want friends, you got to do what? If you don't have enough friends, go out and make some new ones. Start praying that God would send you some. Whatever you have lack of, you need to identify what the problem is and start asking the right person for help. In verse 4, he said, after you've borrowed as many jars as you can, then go to your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Now, let me ask you this real quick. Pretend like we're in Wednesday night Bible study. We do open discussion on Wednesday night. If I told you, go borrow as many bowls as you can from all your friends and neighbors, who thinks they could get uh, at least three bowls? Who thinks they could get 30? Who thinks they could get 100? Connie's like, I got lots of friends. I've been cutting hair my whole life. Connie's like, I get 100. I know. We, now, we've got a guy. Dean ought to know his name if her brain's working good this morning. Now, there's a guy we grew up with. If there was a contest on who could get the most uh, bowls from their friends and neighbors, you know who would win it? Hands down, no question. Now, Rob Carroll will go get 5,000 bowls right now before I finish this message. Big vision, lots of friends, lots of neighbors. He said, after you get that, go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. See, this woman's got a house. She's got children. She's got 
oil and something to put oil in. Now she went out and he told her, go get all that you can get, extra jars, and pour olive oil from your flask into the jars. So get the picture, get the visual. She's at the kitchen counter. She got her little bottle of olive oil. Son brings her a jar. And she's just filling them up. Jar full. Jar full. Jar full. And she's setting each one aside when it is filled. This operation's going really well. It's working out for her. In verse 5, it says, so she did as she was told. See, every parent should have that stenciled on their wall. I go into people's wall, and they have, how many of y'all seen that? They, they make it easy now. They put the whole graphic on a peel-off, and you just stick it to your wall, and it says, faith, hope, and love. Family is everything, or welcome to our house, give thanks. Uh, what, 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 every parent ought to have this stenciled on their wall. She did as she was told, period. Wouldn't that be great if everybody did what they were told? We live in a world where people hate to do what they're told, but I, I want to tell you the third point this morning. If you want success in God's kingdom, you got to do what you're told. If you are one of these, I have a problem with authority uh, type of people, you're going to struggle in the kingdom. If you can't listen, if nobody can teach you, you're unteachable. If nobody can train you, you're untrainable. In life, the Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. And we need to learn how to do what we're doing. She did exactly what the man of God told her to do. In verse 6, it says, soon every container was full to the brim. Here's what she said. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. Fourth thing I want you to see this morning, in Matthew 9, 29, Jesus said, according to your faith, be it unto you. Now, where did faith play a part in this? The man of God said, go get all the jars you can. At some point, she stopped and said, okay, well, we, we've got enough. Now, I'm going to tell you, if she would have tried to get more jars, she'd have got more jars. Because when preparation when opportunity and preparation run into each other a lot of people call that luck but that's not luck that's just preparation and it's a how big of a miracle do you need how how much can you believe god for do you really believe that god is able to do what he said he can do and it says that that, that when there weren't any more the last uh sentence in verse six says and then when is then it's after 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 she ran out of jars, the olive oil stopped flowing. I want, I want to tell you something. God, in many ways, at many times, will meet you at your faith level. God will deliver you at your faith level. God will bless you as big as you can believe for. And I am convinced, and no one can convince me otherwise, we don't believe big enough. We don't, we, we, don't, we don't esteem God great enough. We need to get a bigger view of God. Her view of God was not big enough because she ran out of jars in a verse. We don't know how long it took, but she filled them up, she filled them up, she filled them up. She said, bring me another. said, there aren't any more. She should have gave him the mama look. Now, what, what should she have been thinking right now? She's just pouring up jars, and she's like, this is incredible. Look at this. Oh, I got this. more, more, more. I've never seen this many jars. She looks like, give me another jar. They said, we don't have any more. What do you think she was thinking? Are you crazy? I said, go get a bunch of jars. This all you got me? She should have gave him that mama look, but it's when... The preparation ran out that the oil stopped. So many people are looking for God to do something great in their life, and they haven't even got the preparation made yet. And there's a part that we all have to play in it, but as soon as they ran out of jars, that oil stopped flowing. And in verse 7, the Bible says, When she told the man of God what happened, he said to her, Now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live 
on what's left over. Now, here is the miracle. Here is the punchline. She had a need. She had a problem. She identified the problem. She went to the right source to get it. She had a certain amount of faith, and her problem got solved miraculously. She had enough to get out of her debt and extra. Say extra. Here's what I want you to get. Here's the punchline. Don't miss this or you miss it all. God takes what we give him, and he multiplies it for his glory. See, we're good at adding and subtracting. God's great at multiplying. God takes, he took that one flask of oil that she had and turned it into enough to pay all her bills and give her enough to live on. And in that last verse, it says, you and your sons can live on what is left over. And that phrase, live on, is in a continuous tense in the original language. meant That's going to pay your bills forever. That money's not going to run out. Now, I promise you this. I, I can't promise you, but I'm guessing. I mean, especially if they're from the South, because uh, I, I was raised by a mama from the South. She's sitting right back there. And if it had been our family, we'd been kicked back. Bills would have been paid. We'd have money to live on. And about every day or two, my mama would have looked at me and Dina and said, anybody know what she's thinking? If y'all had just got me more jars. Oh, if y'all had just got me more jars. Look at y'all slack necks. We could have been living on the Riviera. I'm over here, didn't even get a new house out of this deal. I had the magic oil fountain. Y'all ran me out of jars. Listen, don't underprepare for what God has for you. Think big. Think, if I asked you outside this setting and outside this setup, do you believe that God is able to do big things? You would say yes. Well, what, what, what are you making big preparation for? What are you believing God in a big way for? I told you God takes what we give him and he multiplies it. I'm, I'm going to give you a cute... Uh, a couple of different examples of that, and then we're going to get out of here. In Luke chapter 12, verse 32, the Bible says, Don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Get this in your mind, Christian. God wants to bless you. God wants to give you stuff. God wants to give you everything, one verse said. Now, some dads can't give people everything. Somebody with a brain tell me, uh, why can't dads give everything to their kids? Because they don't have everything. But God has everything, and he wants to give it to us. We need to start making bigger preparation. We need to start having bigger faith for bigger blessing and get our miracle that we are waiting on God for. In Luke 18, 28, Jesus had been teaching, and Peter says to Jesus, we left our homes to follow you. Because Jesus was talking about uh, getting blessed for doing what, uh, for following him. And Peter's like, you know, we, we, we left our homes to follow you. And in verse 29, yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom will be repaid many times over in this life and will have eternal life in the world to come. The principle of multiplication is throughout the Bible. You can go all the way back to Genesis. The Bible says when Isaac planted his crops, God blessed him, and his harvest was a hundred times more than he planted. God takes what we give him, he multiplies it, and he blesses it. And anything that you give up for God, and this is what people who don't tithe and, and, and give offerings uh, don't understand. This is what misers don't understand. This is something that only generous people will ever get figured out. You can't outgive God. The more you give to him, the more you get back. And it doesn't matter. And money, give away money, money will come back. Give away kindness, kindness will come back. Give away faith, faith will come back. Give away happiness, happiness will come back. And not just the way you give it. You'll be repaid many times over in this life. In Genesis 26, I told you, when Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested 100 times more grain than he planted for the Lord blessed him. What if I made a guarantee to you today? I've got a few dollars. If, if I said, whatever you give in the offering today, I'm going to multiply it times 100 out of my own money, and I'm going to give you 100 times whatever you give. Anybody know how much they're going to give? 
<laughs> I can't say it. Everything we got. Huh? A lot, yeah. See, because if you gave a thousand, how much would I have to give you? A hundred thousand. How many people would like to get that turnaround? What if you just gave a hundred and I throw ten grand at you? People be like, I'd borrow a hundred dollars to make that play. And people would give more if I personally guaranteed it. But who do you think's got more money, me or God? Who do you think loves you more, me or God? Who do you think can do better for you, me or God? God promised that whatever we give him, he's going to multiply it many times. Think about the way Jesus operated when he was walking on this planet. He would take what others had, he would bless it and multiply it and use it for God's glory. Listen to Mark 18, 19. Jesus said, when I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterward? Twelve, they said. Jesus fed 5,000. Go back to that verse. Jesus fed 5,000. Go back to verse 19. And we've talked about this before. That's not literal. If, if you study each one of these uh, miraculous feedings, it was only counting the number of men, and there's never been more men than the women plus the children added up together in any church service in the world. So it was even more than five. It was 5,000 men off five loaves of bread. Listen, they ended up left over with more than they started with. Why? Because Jesus takes what you give him, and he multiplies it, and he uses it for God's glory. Verse 20, he said, and when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves. Now, it's funny. He, he used five loaves for 5,000. He used seven loaves for 4,000. He don't care how much it is. It could have been one. It could have been a half a crumb. He's going to multiply it, and he's going to use it for God's glory. He said, I fed 4,000 with seven loaves. How many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven, they said. Listen, get this and let it change your life. God will take whatever you give him for his glory, and he will multiply it and do something great with it. I believe one reason most people don't see miracles or they don't see answered prayer is because they're not sowing enough. They're not planting enough. Your harvest is small because you planted small. The Bible says those that plant a little, harvest a little. Those that plant a lot, harvest a lot. But Jesus has always taken what we have. We looked a, a couple of weeks ago at the story after Jesus' resurrection. He was sitting on the side of the water, and the disciples were out fishing, and he let them come in, and he was cooking them breakfast. He had some fish, and he said, I'll take your fish and add it to what I have, and then we'll all have it together. And I'm still blown away when I think that God would take my stuff and use it. Whatever you have that you're willing to give to God, she had a little bit of olive oil. I don't know what you have, but she was doing what too many people are doing now. She was concentrating more on her issue than on her creator. She was concentrating more on her problem. Listen, if you think your problems are too big, what you're really saying is that your God is too small. And I want you to think today, and if, if you get this, you'll be on your way to a better life. Is God big enough to solve your problem? If he's not, you got the wrong God. Because the God of the Bible is big enough to where nothing is hard for him, the Scripture says. God takes what's given him, multiplies it. Think about God's whole plan for redemption. Uh, the most famous verse in the Bible, John three sixteen. So, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God gave one son, and he got multiplied thousands of sons and daughters in return. God is in the multiplication business. Every time I offer God anything, I look for ROI. Somebody tell me what ROI is. It's return on investment. If, if, I, if I invest $100, or if I invest $1,000 and God gives me a hundredfold return, which he's promised, if God gives me a hundredfold, I've got $100,000. Now, if God promised to multiply whatever I offer to him by 100 and I give him zero, how much do I get away with? What if he multiplied it times a million and I gave him zero? 
Hey, what 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 the man say? Nothing from nothing leaves. You got to have something to give to the Lord if you want to see him bless it. And stop thinking that you don't have it. This lady, when he asked her, what does she have? She first off said nothing. I think that's when he gave her that look. Nothing. Everybody's got something. And she gave what she had, and God multiplied it and used it for your glory. So here's, here's what I want to do as we wrap, get ready to wrap this up. I want you to think about what you need from God. Get that in your mind. It's different for each one of us. Whatever you need from God, then I want you to think, what do you have? And your first initial reaction will almost always be, I can't, I don't have enough to meet my need or I wouldn't be asking. Common sense. But if you understand God's a multiplier, then you just start giving him stuff and letting him multiply it. Now, we talked a lot over the years about these five different realms of life, five different ways we experience uh, this world, and we're going to look at them before we go. Number one, spiritual. Say spiritual. Think about what you need in a spiritual concept because we all are spiritual beings. Think about what you need. Now, everybody needs one of two things. If you're not saved, you need salvation. If you are saved, you need deliverance. Deliverance from what? I don't know. But everybody needs to be delivered from something because nobody here is perfect. So you, when, when you think about your spiritual life, you need to get either the salvation you need or the deliverance you need. So that's, that answers the first half of the question, uh, what do you need? And then he said, what do you have? Well, when it comes to the spiritual realm, here, here's one thing I want you to think about that you have. You have time. Well, Pastor, I'm busy. No, you're not. You're busy in your mind. You're not that busy. I already told you. Everybody says, well, I was real busy this week. I didn't study my Bible the way they should. You never walked away from brushing your teeth without spitting the toothpaste out and rinsing your mouth. You didn't show up to school or work with toothpaste all over your face and just look at them and say, oh, I was busy this morning. I didn't have time to rinse my toothpaste out. Y'all going to make me go to the toilet roll? You never just pulled your pants up and just got stains all over yourself because you were busy and you didn't have time to clean up. What am I saying? People make time for what they consider valuable. You need to make time for God because we don't have anything to offer God in the spirit realm that, that, that compares to our time. And honestly, God wants to hang out with you. And most people aren't hanging out with him enough. So here's, here's my challenge to you today. Give God more time. No matter what you got going on in your life, take some time away from something else. Pull back a little TV reading. Pull back a little technology. Pull, pull back social media. Pull back whatever you have to pull back so you can give God more time. Say more time. All right. Now, if you've been listening, you've heard me say four times already that God will take what you give him, multiply it, and use it for his glory. So what's God going to do to the time you give him? He's going to multiply it. He's going to do a miracle. You're going to give him this much time, and he's going to make it bigger, and he's going to use it for God's glory. Second realm of life. I told you, we live on a spiritual realm, a physical realm, relational realm, emotional realm, and financial realm. Second realm, physical. Say physical. Now, if you need God to touch you physically, now maybe you want God to heal you or to heal somebody you care about. You, I don't know what you're going through, but I know chronic pain is a booger bear. And if you have chronic pain or if you know somebody who's in pain or if you know somebody who's sick, you should ask God to heal them. Well, when it comes to healing in your body, the, the question is easy to answer. What do you have? You have a body. Why don't you start using your body and give it to the Lord? Sanctify the Lord your God in your body. Give your body to God. Start taking care of your body in understanding that it's the temple of the Lord. And as you begin to sanctify your body, guess what? God's going to bring healing around in your body. You start giving yourself to God physically, you'll see increase physically. Third realm, relational. I don't know what your, what your need is in regard to relationships. That's the question the man of God asks. What do you need? Well, some of you need new relationships. Why? Because you need to dump off what you got now. Can they hear me in the back? Now, not if you're married. 
Now, if you're married, you're stuck like Chuck. You step in it, and you got to stay with it. Figure it out, make it work, okay? But I'm talking about some friends. You probably, you probably got some friends you need to let go of. You might have some relationships you need to let go of. Or maybe you want God to strengthen some existing relationships. If you want God to do something in your relationships, guess what you need to give to God? Your relationships. Now, if you're out there fornicating and whoring around, is that, is that something you can offer to God? No, the Bible says God's eyes are too pure as to look on sin. God, you're like, oh, I want God to bless my relationship with my side chick. Uh, newsflash, God doesn't bless side chick relationships. Side dude, baby daddy, baby mama. God, God, is, God, is, God made them male and female and said, for this cause a man to leave his mother and father and cling only to his wife. But you need to take every relationship you have, offer it to God, glorify God inside your existing relationships, and watch God take those relationships, multiply them for his glory. Now, sometimes he'll, he'll multiply by subtracting. He might move these people out but bring in new people altogether. But we got to learn how to give everything to God so he can multiply it. Fourth realm is emotional. Say emotional. Woo, man, we, we have never seen the emotional crisis that the world is in right now. If you look at all the top prescribed drugs in America, the majority of them have something to do with anxiety, uh, emotional unrest, mental difficulty, mental illness is at an all-time high. And listen, the, the, Joyce Meyer made a gazillion dollars with her book, The Battlefield in the Mind. It starts in the mind, and you need to offer God your mind. You need to offer God. You need to make sure that you're emotionally together. Well, how do we get emotionally together? We give God our thoughts. We give God our mind. We ask him to strengthen it, to help us endure. You, you, you want your emotions to be right? Listen, give your emotions to God. Start telling God you love him more and more and more. I can't tell you the number of times I have caught side eye from, from uh, dudes, especially construction working dudes. I'm talking about brogan wearing blue jean, wearing hammer-toting dudes. Um, me, me, and, me and Elder Jimmy be in a parking lot at Bono's, and, you know, dude, he, he's a talker. I mean, if you, you talk longer than me, you talk long. And we'll stand in the parking lot talking. People, you know, they see us standing there talking. Then, then I walk off, and we'll yell across the bar, love you, man, love you. And, and do the We say I love you, we get off the phone with each other. Like, well, that's kind of deep, ain't it? No, you ought to give all of your love to God and God's people and watch God begin to bless your emotions. Watch God begin to strengthen your mind. Last level is financial. Now, if I, if I asked you, you know, I, I told you, I don't know what, 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 whether you need salvation or deliverance when it comes to your spiritual needs. I don't know what part of your body needs healing when it comes to your physical needs. I don't know which relationships need to be advanced and gotten rid of in, in your relationships. I don't know where your mind is struggling emotionally, but I know what everybody needs when it, when it comes to financial. Uh, one, one, one TV show said it like this, more money, more money, more money. Now let me just say, I, some of y'all just, y'all haven't woke up yet and I'm about to close. So I got to make sure you're, you're, you're alive in this room. How many people would be honest enough to say, if God had given it to them, they would take some more money? Elder Keon got his hand up before. All right, now, okay, put your hands down. Now, every person that didn't just raise their hand, here's what I want for you. I want a lifetime of poverty and financial misery on your life forever because you refuse to raise your hand in the house of God. You just, you, you just refuse to testify to God that if he, I said if God wanted to give you more money, how many people would be willing to let the God of the Bible give you more money? Anybody in the room? Some of y'all just going to be broke forever. Everybody needs more money. Well, I'm not materialistic, pastor. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just humble. Hey, that's awesome. I didn't say take that money and heap it unto yourself. You could take that money and give it to the poor. You could take that money and start an orphanage. You could take that money and, 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 and build something awesome 
for God's kingdom. But everybody, especially now, man, I don't know. When, when you hear people, just random folk, complain, go stand at a grocery store and listen to somebody talk about, any, anybody notice what's going on with eggs right now? Not, not for Seth. Seth. Seth's a good cook. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> Gail's mom, eggs got so expensive, they went out and bought a bunch of chickens. Now she's pawning off all these eggs on Seth. Um, listen, it's going to come to that in America. You see the cost of eggs, gas? Listen, I don't know if you do or if you don't, but, man, if you ain't quit smoking cigarettes right now, the money ought to be enough to cause you to give that habit up. Liquor costs more, cigarettes cost more, food, everything is just up, up, up. My homeowner's insurance in the two and a half years I've lived in the house I'm living in now has gone up almost three times as what it was when I bought that house two and a half years ago. Just, they keep doubling it. They keep doubling it. I'm like, this house, it's the same house y'all gave me home insurance on last year. Why does it cost more? Everything costs more, 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 more. If you want God to trust you with more money, if you want God to bless you with more money, it starts with the tithe. The, the biblical word tithe simply means one-tenth. And in Matthew 23, 23, Jesus said you must tithe. People who are, if you don't love God enough to give him a dime out of a dollar, why do you think he's really going to let you into his heaven? You're like, well, I trust him with my eternity, but, you know, I can't give him 30 bucks a week. Really? Okay, well, some of y'all make a whole lot more money than that. But if you want to be blessed financially, I, I, I told y'all one time, I don't know if they still sing, sing it or how long they sang it or if they even wrote it or if it's somebody else's song. But uh, when I was at the Potter's House, they, they had the coolest offering song uh, going. And it, it was, I mean, heavy bass guitar just thumping. If you want to be blessed, boom, 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 pay your tithes and your offerings, if you want. And they just, and everybody realized, if you want to be blessed, you got to pay what? Your tithes and your offering. People who don't give are the most miserable people in the world. The root word of uh, miserable is miser. And you're guaranteed to be miserable if you're cheap. God said he promises to bless the generous. I want to give you this, and I'm going to get out of your way. Start being more generous with everything. Be more generous with your love. Be more generous with your devotion to God. Be more generous with your friendships. Be more generous with your tithes, with your offerings. Be more generous when God gives you an opportunity to bless people. And the bottom line, you need to figure out what you need from God. And then you need to take what you already have. And you need to let God multiply. Now, we saw the widow. She downplayed what she had, even though what she had was the very thing God used to bless her. Some of y'all, if we went around the room right now, you'd say, well, I don't have a lot. I'm just simple. Um, I've had so many people tell me, Pastor, I don't even know what my spiritual gift is. I'm, I'm not very gifted. Everybody has a spiritual gift. The Bible says all saved people have at least one spiritual gift. We've studied that at length. And everybody has something that they can give to God that God will bless. When you think, I don't have much, that thing that you do have is something God wants to bless. This lady thought she didn't have what she needed, but she had exactly what she needed. And it was that thing that she had that God used to be her area of deliverance. Now, one of the things I love about being part of a local church is the Bible tells us that God puts local churches in communities so we can all come together and make an impact. It's, it's about synergy where the combined efforts of a group accomplish more than the individual efforts could ever accomplish on their own. God lets us come to church, gives us gifts, talents, resources, and we can use those together to make a difference. But if you're not plugging in, then your difference isn't being made. If you're not giving so God can multiply it, then you're not getting the blessing and you're not seeing the miracles. Too many people think what they have is insignificant. I wish we had the time. We're going to get out of here early, but if we had more time, I would go around the room and say, what do you have that you could give to God that would be a huge blessing to the Lord? Most people would think nothing. Um, I, I, I love the creativity some people have. I'm, I'm not that creative of a guy. I'm, I'm a real lineal, straight-line thinker. Um, 
We still got cards. Like hospitality cards. Mom, mom had a bunch of cards she gave one time. Uh, mom, my mom, she don't like to be called a hoarder, so I call her a pack rat. But she don't like to be called a pack rat, so 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 I so I I, I call her thrifty. Um, my mom had a bazillion cards. She'd always pick up extra cards because if it's a birthday anniversary, she'd want to give somebody a card. She just you know thoughtful like that, and she had a bunch through the years that she had collected. And so, you know what she decided to do with them? Well, let's, let's give those to the church so we can mail it out and be a blessing to people. Well, what did she have? She had greeting cards. What did she do with them? She gave them to the Lord, and people have been blessed by them. Well, that's too simple for y'all. Let me ask you, what do you have? I told y'all one time we had a lady come up and say, Pastor, uh, I like to quilt. Could we start a quilt? And we started a quilting ministry. We had a bunch of ladies sewing quilts and putting Bible verses on them, and that's what they could do. They gave what they had, the ability to make quilts, to God, and God used it as a blessing. Too many people think they're insignificant, and they don't have something. Listen, everybody in this room's got something. You might be a good listener. Do you know people pay $400 an hour to have somebody listen to them? That's another thing that's on the increase. If you've got a mental health counselor... You, 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 you went from paying 250 to 400 overnight, an hour, for mental health counseling. But some of your good listeners use that for God's glory. Some of you have great smiles. Everybody's not cursed like me and my sister. Y'all don't know that story? I've, I've told y'all that if me and my sister have went through our entire life having people think we're mad, angry, or upset. If you looked at my sister right now, you'd wonder, what's she mad about? She's got a husband on one side and mom on the other side. Got her nephew there. What? Well, she's in church. She's not mad. She just looks like that. We both have a very similar mouth. We have mouths that turn down. Turn down. When people say it's easier to smile than it is to frown, not for me. My, my blank expression is big cheeks, drag my mouth down, make my face frown. Some of y'all don't, y'all, some of y'all aren't cursed like I've had people ask me all the time. You okay? I'm good. Oh, you look like you're upset. No, I'm straight. Are you sure? Because you, you look like I'm about to get frustrated. <laughs> ask me again. <laughs> some of you have great smiles. I, uh, Deacon Dixon isn't here today. Uh, he's off taking care of some family business in Alabama. Uh, if, if you ever get around Cedric Dixon, you're going to see a man with a smile. I always mess with him about his million dollars. Listen, if you've got a million-dollar smile, you better flash that thing for God's glory. You better let people, I ain't cheesing and grinning and showing my teeth. Stop being so ignorant and use what God has given you for his kingdom. Some of you ought to be greeters. You, you, you're, so, you're so good at smiling at people. You, some of you have both hands. I hope everybody in the room's got two hands. Uh, I'm not. I'm, I'm trying not to make a mistake. Bishop made one Friday night. We were in church, and he told everybody, "Everybody's standing." This one man didn't stand up, and he's like, "Sir, I've asked everybody to stand. I know you're a guest here, but could you just, in unity, stand with all of us?" And the man just looked at him and went like this. He said, "No, I'm. Uh, we, I want everybody standing." And somebody finally walked up and said, "Bishop." He don't have any legs. He's in a wheelchair. Awkward. If you have two hands, how many of them should you be giving to God? If you've got two hands, you can hold a door open for somebody. You can carry a box of food for somebody. You can bend down and pick up some trash for somebody. I'm telling you, I am believing God. I'm, I haven't said this out loud to anybody but God. So somebody make it come true. I'm believing God that one day I'm going to pull up into work, unchain that gate, and somebody's going to have found their way onto this church parking lot just to walk around the church property and pray. Just to walk around the church property and pick up trash, sticks, pine cones, just to do something that has value for God's kingdom. You have a life. Inside that life, you either have yourself or you have things that you can give to God for him to multiply. Some of you have strong minds. Use it for God's glory. Whatever it is you have, 
I want you to figure out a way to use it for God's glory. So think right now as we get ready to get out of here. Which one of those five areas do you need God to show up in the most? Then start giving God something that corresponds to your need. Her need was money. She had something of value, oil. She just didn't have much of it. But she gave what she had. God took it, multiplied it greatly, and used it for his glory and allowed them to pay their bills off it and stay out of jail. I don't know how your deliverance is going to come, but I do know the process to get it. You need to tell God what you need. The whole chapter starts with what do you need? You need to tell God what you need. Now, if you're playing that humble card, well, I don't like, you know, praying about myself. I, I, you know, I just, I pray for others. No, you need to get real. And you need to get honest with God and tell him what you need. Some of you need a miracle in your homes. Some of you need, need, need to get saved for real and quit playing. Some of you need to have a breakthrough financially or physically. I don't know what you need, but you need to be honest enough to admit, God, I, I need you to do this thing for me. And then you need to start giving him something that he can bless, that he can multiply. You say, well, I don't know what to give him. Start with you. Give him all of you. The Bible tells us that the first commandment and the greatest commandment is that we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Give God everything that you have and watch how he'll turn it around. We're going to take, take a moment right now, and we're going to pray. And I want you, just wherever you are, I just want everybody to bow their head and close their eyes. I just want you right now to take a moment and tell God what you need from him. Now, I don't want you to leave this place without asking him for something. He said, let your request be made known unto me. In the Bible, we see the man of God asking, what, what, what is it? Do you, what, what do you want? What do you want God to do? What do you need? Tell that to God right now. None of us have enough spirituality. The Bible says God wants to take us from one level of glory to the next. But he's looking for your little flask of oil. He's looking for your worship. When Jesus told the woman at the well, the Father seeks worshipers. How much of your time are you giving to God? God blessed you with eyesight. Are you using it to put your eyes on his word every day? God blessed you with a voice. Are you using it to talk to him? God blessed you with emotions. Are you pouring your love out on him? Whatever it is you need, God wants to take something that you have and multiply it for his glory, not for our own selfishness, but for his glory. I am convinced beyond measure God wants to bless you so you can be a blessing to somebody else. But that's not going to happen if you're drowning in debt. That's not going to happen if you're drowning in mental illness. That's not going to happen if you're drowning in worldliness. That's not going to happen if you're drowning in bad relationships. That's not going to happen if you're drowning in physical pain. You need to give whatever you need to give to God so that God can bless you and come through for you by multiplying what little we have and giving it miraculously a multiplier that uses it for God's glory. I don't know what you have, but I know you can give yourself to God. And the more you give to him, the more he'll give back to you. Pray with me. God, thank you for giving to us. Thank you for your word. God, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would help us to be honest about our need and help us, God to let you multiply what we already have. God, I pray that you'd take our lives and use them for your glory. God, I pray you'd take this property, these buildings, this room, everything that we have, God, and use it for your glory. Thank you, God, for your word. I pray that you'd give us an urgency to love you more than we ever have. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at AOCFnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to AOCFnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.